Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Greg, welcome to today's live stream. How you doing? How about that countdown? That is straight uptown and no more nasty grams from Borat in Uzbekistan or whatever. So wasn't wasn't it the like the Azerbaijan soccer club or something like that that claimed ownership of that? It was something like that. But yeah. now uh, I guess Yanni is uh, sponsoring our countdown. Uh, <laughs> right. Or isn't Yanni the, uh, uh, the, the landscape musician? What's that style of music called? Sure. No. Okay. Soft well, jazz. Uh, I, um, no, 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 Music. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's that soothing landscape stuff yeah. that sometimes you hear in your dentist's office, maybe. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that. But regardless, folks, we've got a big show here yeah. today. We are so excited about our guest. Um, and, and first off, before we kind of foreshadow that, uh, it's important to note, Greg, that we come, uh, we, we live stream every Monday and Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time. Monday, of course, is our supply chain buzz where we tackle the the news and developments, uh, some of which you got to keep your finger on the pulse of. Thursdays is our Baskin Robin uh, Robin's vibe, right? Thirty-one <laughs> flavors and then some. A little bit of variety for everybody. Did, do you remember Baskin Robbins, Greg? Yeah, aren't they still around? I, I'm not sure, but I, I think they're, they're, I think they're cool. owned by Dunkin' Donuts, the same company that owns Dunkin' Donuts. It seems like not far from our house is a Baskin Robbins Dunkin' Donuts combo. I think so, you're right. That 30, and 31 flavors. Bresslers had 33 flavors. And oh, they had the one up. It was two up. it was the ice cream wars, kind of like the cola wars in the 80s. We were at war in the 80s. Now we've got the chicken sandwich wars. <laughs> hey, um, whatever whatever works, I guess for folks. But we spent a lot of time as a kid in Baskin Robbins and and the Pink Dipper back up where we we grew up. But uh, and by the way, thank you, Mr. Benjamin Goldclang. Soundscapes. They are called That's soundscapes. Right. So we'll see. I mean, not hard to well. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge follower of Yanni, which <laughs> probably heresy. Well, let's so let's do this. We've got an outstanding guest today. We got Dr. Sherika Sanders, yeah. who was recently named one of the top 50 influencers in the world in the advanced manufacturing, supply chain, and logistics space. And that's just one of her many. Uh, uh, many cool things about her journey and, and, and all the, the big impact she's made. So, and she's a repeat guest. We loved having her on uh, about 500 episodes ago. So it's been too long. So, wow. so yeah. Can you believe that? I think it was so before yeah. my time even. And that's man. Stop it. Did, Just. <laughs> did anything happen pre Greg white? I, I, <laughs> well, Hey, Y'all are in for a treat with our guest today. So we're going to get to uh, Sherika in just a second. But before we do, Greg, we got to do some work, right? Yep. So let's uh, want to share a couple of program notes. As always, if you enjoyed today's live stream, be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcast from uh, at Supply Chain Now. On our main channel we dropped today was a replay of Monday's Manufacturing Monday version of the Supply Chain Buzz. And we had Billy Taylor join us. Billy was formerly uh, uh, a director of manufacturing and 
the chief diversity and inclusion officer with the Goodyear company. Right. And Billy brought it on Monday, didn't he, Greg? It's manufacturing week, I guess. And yes, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many t-shirt, different types of t-shirts we're having printed, but <laughs> I mean, he really does make it so consumable, doesn't he? Absolutely. Know, clearly an expert walks in, he can clearly walk into these facilities and almost analyze the problems by walking in the door. So incredible skill, but also I love the way he just makes it so simple for those of us not in the know. Yes. Stories and humor yep. uh, and all the knowledge. So y'all check out that replay wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Tuesday earlier this week, we published Stop Talking Act, yeah. Building Sustainable Logistics Initiatives. Tell us about this cool conversation here, Greg. Peter Stangelon, the, the sustainability Viking uh, from Norway. And if you, he, he doesn't look like that picture right now. He has been growing his beard during COVID, so he looks like he ought to be on an episode of, of Vikings. So uh, check him out, by the way, because it's also on YouTube. But uh, D.B. Shanker, the company that he works for, has an incredible uh, sustainability initiative in Norway. And Norway, in and of itself, has an incredible sustainability initiatives, not just regulations by the government, and they do have some of those, but also just the people are so... Uh, incredibly aware of sustainability. And as Peter says in this episode, they live off the land. It's an oil producing country. It is an agriculture country. Um, So they, and it's a very, there's a very relatively small area of the country where you can grow anything because the country goes inside the Arctic circle. Wow. So um, it's a beautiful place. It's one of my favorite countries. Oslo contains my favorite restaurant in the world, and I am not telling anyone who it is, what it is because I want it for myself. <laughs> Selfish. But do listen to Peter because he gives you tips on how to ignite your own sustainability ignition, uh, initiative in your company or to accelerate if you've already got an initiative and get things going because they have got it going, right? Um, electric pedal, pedal-driven electric carts, bikes. Uh, for last mile delivery in Oslo. So So things like that are what they're up to. So check it out. Tequila Sunrise with a T-E-C-H as in Greg's uh, name there. Go ahead and wink. Go ahead. (laughs) See what we did there. See what we did there. All right. (laughs) So finally, uh, we got two two more quick notes. Hey, check out this week in business history. Kelly Barner stepped in, did a masterful job. Do y'all remember Metallica taking on Napster? I'd forgotten about this way back in the oh, yeah. early internet days, kind of. Um, so check it out all in less than 20 minutes. She, she dives into some things uh, that you've probably, other things you've probably forgotten about. So check that out this week in business history, wherever you get your podcast from. And finally, Kevin L. Jackson is leading this webinar on April 27th, uh, setting the standard for supply chain security, especially from an ICT standpoint, uh, information communications technology, new acronym. There we go. New, new to me. Uh, and he's doing it in conjunction with a couple of companies, including the Telecommunications Industry Association, which is really the voice of that industry. So check that out. April 27th, you can learn more. I think we've got the link in the show notes and you can uh, learn more at supplychainnow.com. Okay. So Greg, let's say a couple of quick hellos to people so we yes, can sir. bring in our wonderful guest here today. Uh, we got David with us. Uh, good morning to you, David. Hope Thank goodness. You I well. wasn't sure I was alive. <laughs> Peter, of course, is with us. Mervin, 
Marie is with us. Hey, Marie, great to see you here today. Tell us where you're you're tuned in from. The Rainmaker. There Tom he is. Rains. Rainmaker. I like it. Madat, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps. Uh, I forgot your name wrong. I apologize. Please correct me. But tell us where you're tuned in from via LinkedIn. Uh, Ajinkia uh, is also tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to have you. Tell us where you're from. Uh, Robert is with us. Uh, let's see here. Is it Hakwe? Greg? Hockey Nook. Hockey? Roughly. I bet it's hockey. I, it, I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> so, well, welcome. Just go with ha. And, ha is easy. <laughs> yeah, well, even mom maybe can't mess that up. But hey, tell us, make sure we get your name right. Yeah. And tell us where you're from. Great to have you here. That's Vietnam, I'm certain. Yes. Rachel is with us uh, from the Gulf Coast. I bet the beautiful Gulf Coast. Uh, a coaster. Yes. Abishek is back. I think he was with us uh, earlier this week and last week. Yep. From Chennai, right? Chennai, yeah. Chennai, thank you. Uh, Tom Raftery. Man, Tom, you've been on fire with the podcast here lately. I loved it. I, I enjoyed tuning in uh, the stream uh, talking cars last week. So hello from Seville, uh, Spain, right? Yes, Greg. sir. Correct. Simon. Of hello, course. hello. After, after six months, he says, my open work banner is gone. Well, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Tell us about it. Let's know where you landed. Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Uh, and finally, Alay. Alay is with us from Sudan. I think she joined us uh, a week or so ago and, and really dropped. I think she was with us when Sandra McQuillan was with us and she was sharing some uh, local supply chain uh, 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 news. So great to have you back uh, via LinkedIn there or Facebook there. Okay. So with no further ado, Greg, are you ready? I am ready. I mean, I'm yes, you. I'm ready. <laughs> I, 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 this was like Christmas, not to play it up too much. Uh, Sherika, she's in the green room. But I told you your ears will be burning as we talk about you. This is this is really, it's always neat to have repeat guests on. Um, but if you remember our episode, which was number 117, when Sherika Sanders, PhD, first joined us. And we got so much feedback about it and about her that we re-released it as a classic oh, wow. replay. During the holidays, and then that our team's like, "Hey, we got to have her back, and let's do her. Let's, let's have her on a live stream so we can, you know, she can interact with with our community and, and everyone in cheap seats. So we're doing just that. So Greg, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna not I'm gonna do as much justice as I can to intro her in 30 seconds here. So our guest today earned her PhD in inorganic chemistry. Uh, I could barely say that, much less navigate through <laughs> that degree program, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've established that she's smarter than we are. Oh, noted. Uh, undoubtedly. Uh, she then spent time in leadership roles at the Dow Chemical Company, Authentics, and now uh, at Manor Polymers. She's been named one of the 20 most influential women in manufacturing. And then more recently, named one of the top 50 influencers in the world, again, of advanced manufacturing, supply chain, and logistics She's got a ton of stories and perspective. Please join me in welcoming Sherika Sanders, PhD. Sherika, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. How's it going? Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're, we're, we were a minute late getting you on. I feel oh, like yeah, that was a pretty great. good intro, though, Sherika. Was it worth waiting for? It was worth waiting for, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm intimidated, so I'm, that's, that's oh, part of the be. key to a, that, a good intro. Be, be at all. <laughs> Well, we uh, it's such it's so nice to have you back and and and, and have the opportunity not just to check in with you and kind of uh, rekindle uh, ourselves with your journey and your stories and your point of view, but then share that live with with all other folks that are 
um, that are part of the journey with us here today. So Sherika, for the handful of folks that may have not been able to catch that early episode, I know you do plenty of keynotes and, and, and other, plenty of other shows, but let, let's get to know you a little bit better here. So first off, tell us where you grew up. I am a Southern girl. I was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. And, 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 and then went to college in um, New Orleans. That's right. The University of New Orleans. Right? Uh, Xavier. Xavier. Oh, Xavier. Yeah. Remember wow. we talked about that? Yes, we did time. talk about that. The yeah, Xavier right. University of Louisiana. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's right. And the mascot, remind me. Gold Rush. The Gold Rush. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's taking me right back. Yeah, <laughs> two two years ago. Yes, uh, the gold rush. So um, y'all were talking uh, at pre-show. Y'all were talking food, and of course, here in the South, we certainly love our food. Folk, folks love food everywhere. But growing up in Shreveport, I'm gonna put mm -hmm. you on the spot. What's one dish or restaurant um, that was just a big part of your early childhood journey? So there was a restaurant um, when I was growing up. It was a seafood restaurant, and it was called uh, Freeman and Harris. It was a, a, a staple in our home. <laughs> and they had the best stuffed shrimp um, and fried shrimp and just shrimp any way you name it. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Forrest Gump, Sherika. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then it was sold, and it became Pete Harris. Um, so that it stayed within that family. So it was Freeman and Harris and Pete Harris. Mm. Um, and so now, um, that one was sold too, but they still make the food, um, um, at a different restaurant and they have like this, um, their own signature tartar sauce that is to die for. Really? And so if you go to Shreveport, it's a restaurant on Muck House. Um, you have to go there and, and get their, their, Seafood. Well, let's make a reservation and go this weekend, Greg. You got yeah. sold. I'm yeah. sold. Next time we drive to Austin, Scott, we'll. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, so Rachel says her husband has her PhD in inorganic chemistry. It's a hard journey. So congrats, mm -hmm. Sherika. I don't, I don't even know, you know, uh, I don't, I want to be careful about, uh, I don't want to illustrate my really poor intellect when it comes to chemistry. I'm not sure what oh, let inorganic. Me do that. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> what is inorganic well, chemistry? How's that? <laughs> so, um, so, so, listen, Rachel. I, I mean, it definitely was a hard journey. I was just talking to somebody um, about this just yesterday, and that getting a PhD, um, I would do it all over again. But I'm glad that I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it's one of those things that you know it's rewarding, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, is this journey ever going to end? Am I ever going to see any benefit from this? And then as soon as it happens, you you see it, and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> well, so that's a perfect segue. Yeah. And, and I'm and I'm glad, Greg. I'm glad you just came out and asked. Let's. So when you look back at, at early childhood or your educational journey. Mm -hmm. you know, what's a big eureka moment uh, that you that you still reflect on these days? My uh, eureka moment is when I actually decided that I even wanted to major in chemistry. And it's, it's a cool story. So um, the summer before my junior year in high school, my parents were like, OK, you got to get a job. You got to do something. Um, and a friend of mine told me about a summer program at Wiley College in Marshall, mm -hmm. Texas. And when we got there, 
Um, I said, okay, well, you know, I guess I got to go because I'm going to have to do something for the summer. And um, they gave us three options. They said, you can either do physics for the summer, you can do biology for the summer, or you can do chemistry for the summer. And we had already taken a tour of the campus. I saw the big rats in the biology lab. So that was a no immediately. (laughs) So I'm like, no biology for the summer for me. (laughs) And physics just seemed kind of boring at the time to me. So I chose chemistry by default. Mm. Um, and decided to do chemistry for the summer. Um, and we got in that lab. They introduced us to the periodic table. And it was just like, whoo, the world just opened up to me. And mm. I'm saying, okay, so I can mix these two compounds or these two um, elements together and make my own, make something new. Every I can tell where everything comes from just with this periodic table. And it was just a, like you said, eureka moment for me. I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. It's so much fun. Wow. Oh my God, let's do this. <laughs> and I got back to school and junior year was actually the year that I took chemistry. I mean, enjoyed it. It was a blast and just stuck with it and majored in chemistry um, at Xavier and went on to get my PhD. That is amazing because I never had that. Fe- I mean, it, it, you know what that really points out, Sherika, is just how different people's kind of psyche or um, internal workings are because I never had that experience with the periodic table. I looked at it and was like, what evil language is this, right? What are they trying to do? Yeah, yeah. It's the best. I mean, I still look at it now and think, hmm, what can I make that's new? Interesting. That's very cool. Well, so you obviously, not just school, but in, in your career, you've had some um, notable, let's say, to say the least, some notable accomplishments and experiences. Um, I think it's really interesting when you hear about somebody's eureka moment like that, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it, yeah. isn't it sort of kismet the way that you kind of backed into something that you were clearly a natural to? Think about how yeah. close you were to not not getting into chemistry, right? It's fun. Exactly. It's interesting how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I mean, you've had so many notable moments, um, some more uplifting than others, but you were involved with Columbia when that shuttle, uh, went down, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that. Um, so l- let me just start, start that story off by saying, you know, I don't know where everyone sits spiritually, but, um, as I look back over my, my journey and my, my career, I can definitely see the hand of God just guiding me and protecting me throughout, throughout the whole process. And, you know, it not being me, not by, you know, my own accomplishments or my own, um, knowledge or anything like that. It's just been how God has, has positioned me to be where I need to be and to accomplish what I need to accomplish um, for certain times in our history. Mm. And I can look back from when I went to Xavier and, you know, how I was a part of um, minority access to research careers. And I presented some papers at the American Chemical Society meeting and landed at University of Houston for graduate school. And while I was at University of Houston for graduate school, I presented another paper um, at American Chemical Society meeting. And it just so happened the poster was on the wall in um, the hallway when we had a presenter come in. And when he came in, he said, hey, who did this work? 
And my advisor said, you're in luck. She's she's around. I'll let you meet her. It just so happened to be a professor um, or principal um, investigator from um, Sandia National Labs. Hmm. And so he found me in the lab and he said, hey, I'm really interested in this work you're doing. When you graduate, I have a job for you. Wow. I wasn't slated for graduation for another a year and a half or two um, from the moment that he came. Um, and so when it was time for me to graduate, I called him thinking this guy is not going to remember me. But I <laughs> called him anyway, and he was like, yep, I'm sending you a plane ticket for you to come up, check out the place, see if you like it. Um, and that's how I got the postdoc at Sandia National Laboratories. From Sandia National Laboratories, the work that I did there uh, presented a paper ran into a recruiter from the Dow Chemical Company, and he hired me right on the spot. Wow. And so it was just- So, so what you're saying, Sherika, is you make a big first impression. I can Fairly, see that. Yeah. And if, <laughs> I, and if I, she works I, for you, I don't let her out of, her, of your sight. Somebody's going <laughs> to steal You know, and so it, it's just been, okay, everything has been guided. Um, and so to answer your original question, during the time that I was working at Sandia National Labs, um, it was just after the Columbia Space Shuttle accident, and I was a new scientist on the block, and I was given that project. Um, um, at the time, Sandia National Labs was owned by Lockheed Martin, and Lockheed Martin was uh, charged with collecting the pieces of the space shuttle that it could find. Um, but also, they wanted to know, upon reentry into the Earth's atmosphere, how can we keep this shuttle from catching on fire again? How can we prevent this from happening again? And that was my project. And so I developed coatings um, that went onto the NASA space shuttles to prevent them from catching on fire um, as they re-entered the Earth's atmosphere. Hmm. And it was very rewarding in that, you know, again, I can use that periodic table and I can just kind of search through and see which of these carbon-carbon uh, composites are better than the current silicon carbide coatings that they were currently using and what could withstand a lot of heat. And that was a great team to work with um, to actually get it implemented because it's one thing to come up with something in the lab, but to implement it is a, a different thing. And I tell you, just mixing up a bunch of stuff, I'll just call it that, in the in the lab was able to come up with something that actually worked. And that particular project um, was probably the most meaningful for me because I could actually see the impact that I was having on the world um, and in what I was doing. And it just has turned out to be the gift that keeps on giving because, I mean, that one project has landed me so many different um, opportunities um, that I couldn't have you know, dreamed of. So if I can interject for a second and just a level set for folks that may be um, young for that, that uh, disaster on February 1st, 2003, as the Columbia uh, space shuttle was re-entering earth's orbit, it, it uh, unfortunately and, and, and tragically broke apart, killing all seven astronauts aboard. And, and it grounded the sp space shuttle fleet for 29 months, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so one other, so, so the, uh, offer a little background there, but also Sherika, you described on your interview with us as you presented that project to kind of the NASA family. Would you talk about that a bit? Oh yeah. Um, so after um, Sandia um, did all the testing and we implemented, we were invited to Hawaii to the PACRIM conference. And at the PACRIM conference, um, I was one of the keynote speakers to present 
my work on um, how I how I developed the codings and all the test results and all those things. Well, you know, I had presented papers before, but this one was sort of different. You know, um, normally I'm in a room that held maybe 20, 30 people. But for this particular um, presentation, I walk in and I'm almost wild because it's this huge conference room and there's hundreds of people in there. And they were mainly folks from NASA because they wanted to see, okay, what, what is this that, you know, we've come up with. And so um, the other weird thing about it is that uh, my boss was actually supposed to present at that conference, but he had another thing going on. And so he said, you know, let Sherry could be at the work. Let her present it. I think she'll do fine. Mm. Um, and so I get there. I present the work just as I normally do, a highly technical talk. But then I noticed um, a few people in the audience and I see a teardrop. And I'm thinking, okay, nobody's ever been this emotional about, you know, my work. But then afterwards, I mean, there was this thunderous applause. People were standing up and they were clapping. And um, a coworker walked up to me afterwards and he says, Sherika, you got to realize people lost friends. They lost um, people who they considered as family in the Columbia Spatial Accident. So for you to get up there and present something gives us hope that we can actually accomplish as the United States of America what we set out to do initially in the beginning. And that's when it hit me. You know, I'm not just mixing up stuff in the lab. I'm doing things to give people hope and to encourage people and to have a great impact um, on the world. And so that's what keeps me uh, grounded that's what keeps me with high character because you can't do this kind of job and, and not have character and integrity because there are scientists out there who present false data all the time and it comes back to bite us. And so right. character and integrity are, are a major uh, component uh, of what I do and what I seek out in other people when I hire them. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah. so Greg, uh, what's some of your takeaway there? I mean, the, the, you know, I think about not just chemistry, but, people having that kind of impact on people. I mean, that had to be uh, an awakening even for you mm -hmm. and, and moving, I'm sure it, it's certainly moving now. Um, but to realize that your hat, that chemistry can have that effect on people's lives. I mean, yeah. think about how many times a kid in high school has said, when am I ever going to use this again? <laughs> uh -huh. Right. And that is a great example of when you're mm -hmm. ever going to use, it, it could be something, it could be anything. It could be algebra or, or trigonometry or what, or chemistry right. or whatever, but it, it's right. worth learning because yes. You, yes. you could change or save someone's life with it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what, that's the really impactful part of that. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that really resonates with me, Greg, and, and very well said, both of y'all um, is, you know, that sense of a greater purpose, that sense of a greater mission. And it, that was like, almost like a eureka moment for you that, that, you know, folks, families and, and colleagues, and they're depending on you to protect not only the mission, but, but the lives of those involved. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, that's um, hopefully everyone listening to this will have that eureka moment where they're, they see how they fit in to the greater good and the greater, greater purpose. It really, it, mm -hmm. it changes, it changes lives. So I, I thanks so much for sharing so, Greg, uh, from that, I don't, I don't know. That's that's one of my favorite 
Thanks for last well, interview. Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, obviously, um, obviously you do hire people and you do observe your colleagues and you do obviously lead with your knowledge and your expertise and your research and your deliverables. But I'm curious, either from your perspective or your perspective of somebody else, what is a kind of a key leadership moment, a key leadership lesson that you've learned that you you would share with the community here? Um, so here recently, I would say the, the key thing is, especially with everything that's going on in the world, um, is for leaders to realize that leadership is a service and a privilege. It's not an opportunity for you to beat up on people with your um, role or your power. Um, and, and, and so one of the key things um, here recently that I've been able to add to my toolkit is, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Courageous Conversations. Um, and it is basically a compass that's used to have conversations about race. But I use them, I use that compass to have conversations about anything, especially um, in my leadership role. And just to give um, some background on what this is, is you can imagine just a, just a compass with a north-south, um, east-west axis. Um, and in your north East axis is going to be um, different attributes that people possess, like um, their morals and their beliefs and things like that. And if you go around clockwise on the compass, you'll see intellectual and thinking um, on your northwest axis. And then on your southwest axis is going to be social people who act socially, the people who do things and who um, are like your protesters, the people who are eager to get out there and protest. Mm -hmm. And then on your Southeast axis, it's going to be your emotional people, people who feel things. In terms of leadership, um, knowing how to converse with people and use that compass has been um, eye-opening for me. And if people could 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 get this and learn how to use this compass. So basically what you do is you're tapping into where a person is coming from in that axis. You join them there and bring them to where you need them to go. So for example, if I have a employee and I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and let's say they lost a parent as a leader, I need to get into that emotional box with them before I start talking to them about their performance or their deliverables. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of um, leaders miss that. They miss that whole um, connecting with a person before you're at, before you ask them to do something or to deliver anything for you. And I think you've probably heard this saying a million times over that people leave leaders. They don't leave companies. Right. They leave leaders. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if if leaders could get that, think about the deliverables and the performance and the different things that you can get out of a person once you connect with them with wherever they may be. If they're the protester, connect with them there. If they're um, big on morals and beliefs, connect with them there. So that means you have to do the work as a leader too, right? You have to know yourself well enough um, and the things that you need to work on in your unconscious biases um, to be able to deliver in this fashion and to influence. So you want to lead by influence and not by fear. So, Greg, I know we're talking your language. 
I know we all love talking leadership and practical, real leadership, action focused, you know, that servant leadership. You're always looking to improve how you how you go about it. Greg, what's what's some thoughts that based on what Sherry well, share? I think that well, I think that I have to say this. It exposes the kind of leaders that you've been uh, exposed to, and I'm sorry for that because you've clearly had that experience of those kind of leaders. There are those kind of leaders that you are and that you talk about out there, and um, you know, and I'm a, I, so uh, I think we have to acknowledge that there are both that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the, uh, compass precept I've heard of the book I have, we talked mm-hmm. about that on a, I think we talked about that Scott on a logistics with purpose episode, but I haven't, haven't read it, but it sounds incredibly valuable and, mm-hmm. and I already get it. I mean, I get the meeting people where they are great leaders. Um, they're not leaders because, because they have a title, as you said. They're leaders because people follow them. And people follow them because they feel comfortable and cared for and, mm-hmm. and inspired by these people. And, you know, it's, I think it was somebody here in the comments when we were having a discussion about leadership a week or so ago that said, you know, there's a difference between a boss and mm-hmm. a leader. There's a difference between a manager and a leader. Mm-hmm. And the truth is you can lead from, this is, this is something I encourage people about all the time. You can lead from wherever you are, right? Absolutely. You were just talking about Absolutely. the space program. And when the president went into a hangar in, I don't, I don't, I think it was Houston, went into a hangar and talked to the janitor there who was sweeping the floor. And he said, what is your job? And he said, my job is to put a man on the moon. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can lead from wherever you are, are. There are people who are changed by their environment and there are people who change their environment. Clearly you're the latter. That is right. Ladder. Um, <laughs> you change your environment. <laughs> so, so, I'm terrible at that former and latter thing. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, clearly you do that. And I think that's commendable. And I really think that is a fantastic re- recommendation, right? Courageous conversations. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Courageous conversations. So I, I want to share a couple of comments and a question before Greg continues, because we're going to ask about some of the recognition, Sherika, that you had received. But l- let me share a couple of these uh, couple of these comments here. So first off, Amanda says that uh, she was fortunate she did not blow up her house with a chemistry <laughs> set. Her and her dad played around in the basement. Not a scientist. It makes two of us. There's not enough. Amanda. There's not enough uh, volume to make a compound that could actually blow up the house, but it could smoke the ceiling in your bedroom. I can confirm. Right. That. Right. Absolutely. So Jenny is with us. Jenny Froome, great to have you uh, via Johannesburg, South Africa. Great to, to see you here. Look forward to our uh, upcoming live stream. Uh, so back to Rachel, you know, talking about a noble mission. So her husband worked on flame resistant paint coatings too mm-hmm. with her, with uh, the PhD in, or in organic chemistry, worked mm-hmm. on paint for homes that could be exposed to wildfires. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Also flame resistant face paint, probably, I guess for firefighters and others that what a man that is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I need to connect with her husband. Yes, you do. No doubt. <laughs> so, I still work on flame. I still work on flame retardant uh, plastics. Really, we mm-hmm. gotta get y'all connected on, on a yeah. show that's uh, I don't know about seventeen pay grades above mine, and I'll speak for <laughs> myself, Greg. Um, lots of comments from folks that really love what you shared there, both in the previous story and um, about talking leadership. And finally, I want to share a couple things here. So, Peter watched the shuttle tragedies live on TV at the time, 
once leaving Walt Disney World with the kids on a trip with Dreams Take Flight National that they watched, heard, and felt the shuttle take off. Quite the experience. He also saw it in that iconic, when the shuttle used to be on the back of the, the uh, 747. That, that, such an iconic thing. I never saw that in person flying mm-hmm. uh, overhead or anything, but um, mm-hmm. had some models. Such a really cool part of that shuttle program. Yeah. Um, Simon calls it humanistic leadership. I love that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Peter says it was a mic drop moment, leaving leaders, not companies. Love that. I agree with you. Uh, Hugo says, a boss says me, and a leader says us, our mm-hmm. team. And then finally, I'm going to get to a question before we get back to the interview here. And the question comes from Alay. Her comment first is, in my country everywhere, there are teams with very minimal abilities and qualifications, maybe corruption in lots of government governmental entities. Mm-hmm. She's proud to be one of the protesters against al-Bashir regime. So now we need leaders with special capabilities to lead the old teams and replacements. And then to her question, and Sherrick, I'd love to get your take, and Greg, welcome yours too. What if the team is old-fashioned and requires lots of motivation? What would what would your advice be there, Sherrick? So um, it, 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 I will recommend, okay, this book. Um, it's called Get Your Shift in Order. And with that, I was given. Well I was enunciated. Given, <laughs> very I was given, I know, and that's why I have to say it's slow. Right. <laughs> But I was given this um, book by a mentor when I worked for the Dow Chemical Company, and it was because I was getting ready to start to lead a group that had baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Z, millennial. I mean, it was just full of a bunch of different people from a bunch of different areas. Um, so it was a it was a global group as well. And so what it does is it kind of brings different perspectives from, as um, you would call it, LA, old fashioned. Um, into your realm of eyesight. So it'll help you to understand, you know, where they're coming from and why they feel the way they feel and why it may seem old fashioned. But a lot of times old fashioned things incorporated with the new um, things that you could bring to the table are innovative. And so I was to say, don't look to totally discard the old old fashioned point of view, but figure out how you can incorporate it into your new point of view and make something new. I like that. Um, it makes me think of a comic book movie. My son loves comic, all the Marvel comic book movies. Mm-hmm. And there was a superhero that, that was getting beaten up and, he, and, and whatever laser ray or whatever it was, he turned it around to make it a weapon. Right. Yeah. It's kind of what you're talking about. Take take the nature of the situation and take the all the negatives and turn on its head and use that in efforts to make make it a better place, better better organization, more effort or more progress mm-hmm. rather. Greg, uh, as I turn the baton back to you and before you move on to the next one, what will be your take on making hay out of old fashioned cultures or teams? Well, I've done it done it a ton in my career. I was I started at a very young age. In fact, I annoyed the hell out of one of my uncles. When they were thinking about having children, I was the oldest grandchild, so they took me to the zoo, and he said, no matter what I said, your question was why, and I've been that way ever <laughs> since. So yeah. the, the that's the way we've always done it has never played well with me, and right. um, I have been disruptive in service to a company, and I have di- been disruptive in disservice to myself at a company um, by by questioning these old-fashioned standards. and. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I have, I, I'd have to say that my advice would be either decide to fight 
or decide to leave. It's as simple mm -hmm. as that. Now, how you do it, you can do it very diplomatically, right? Of course, and you should because you always have to keep the goal in mind. You're not trying to pound somebody into submission either, even if they are you. You're trying to help them see the light, to awaken to a new way of doing things. And, and if, if you want people to change from their old-fashioned ways to new ways, you can't just say this is the new way. You have to, you have to appeal to their self-interest. Why is it in the self-interest of your great uncle to buy a new tractor rather than continue to use the old 5520 narrow two-wheel tractor that keep, why? Because if you turn that tractor too sharp, it rolls over and it could hurt somebody or worse. So, uh, sorry, that was a very personal story. Um, I mean, it is those kind of things, right? It is, you, you have to appeal to people's self-interest and you have to, as, as Sherika was just saying, you have to meet them where they are and you have to acknowledge what their self-interest is, whether it's, whether it's altruistic or not, you have to recognize somebody's self-interest. And if you want to make progress, you have to appeal to that and you have to appease that to some extent mm -hmm. to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Love so it's that. all about the influence of where you're trying to go. Right. So if you, you have a specific goal in mind um, and that person, may, are they data driven? Um, if they're data driven, then you pre present the data as to why you want to move to a certain area um, that's away from where they currently are. Um, and that uh, a lot of times, like myself, I'm an analytical and data driven. If, if somebody puts it in front of me, black and white with the data, then, hey, I'm more apt to move to their side of the, the, the river than, than where I'm standing. Right. Um, so it's just like you said, their self-interest. What is it? and appeal to it and influence that way. All yeah. right. Love that. I, I think we could have a 12 hour leadership discussion with you, Sherika, but, but uh, for the sake of time, cause I want to get, I want to get some, the, the kind of second half here. So Greg, where are we going next? Well, I mean, okay. So we've established that you had some really impactful projects and jobs. We've established, you know, a lot and obviously share a lot and can give a lot in, in terms of le leadership. I'm curious because um, Scott only touched on a very small portion of your of your accolades. I'm curious of all of the accolades and awards that that you've received. What one what one do you think that you see as the most meaningful? Oh yeah, um, uh, it would be. Uh, so I mentioned the work at Sandia is the gift that keeps on giving. So that was uh, that work was uh, implemented in 2006. Here we are, um, 2017, and I get a call that I am being considered as a hidden figure of Dallas for my contributions to science and technology. And I'm thinking, what science and technology? What contribution? And they bring up the space shuttle um, work. And they said that our congresswoman um, uh, would be involved and I had to submit a, a packet and they came back, you know, a couple of months later and said, yeah, you're, you're the one for us. Um, we're going to uh, name you as a 2017 um, hidden figure of Dallas. And it was great because it was at the same time that the movie was released. Yeah. So people could just... connect um, with uh, what it meant and what my contributions might have been and all of this stuff. And, you know, I got to 
kind of hang out with our Congresswoman, um, Eddie Bernice Johnson, um, and got um, at the time some certificates and plaques from the White House. Um, and, and to me, it was the most meaningful because it was a kind of a nod that, hey, uh, what you've contributed means something to me, you know, means something to the world. And it was extremely impactful. Um, and so, you know, I got to share in it with my family. Um, they were invited to the presentation of the award and it was just, it was great. So that, that one head over heels has probably been the, the most meaningful. I got to tell you that, um, that it came out when you said hidden figures, it really, uh, really made me think of that. And when you mentioned the timing, I thought, how fortuitous is that uh -huh. comes out <laughs> at, at the same time? Mm -hmm. um, how, how do they select you? I mean, how are you nominated and selected there? Did someone nominate um, you? Yes, it was actually a mentee of mine. Wow. Um, yeah, who was currently the president of the National Society for Black Engineers. Um, I was R&D director at the time for Authentics. Authentics is a global company that um, uh, marks, makes chemical markers for uh, oil and gas fuel around the country. And so I was the R&D director making markers at the time, and she actually worked in our engineering department. Um, and I kind of, as soon as she walked in the door, noticed her, took her on as a mentee, didn't know she was the president of the uh, Nesby Association, but she was. And a year later, here she is. She's like, oh, you've been great for me. Um, I've learned so much. I'm going to nominate you for this award that I heard that was coming up through my organization. And that that's how it happened. <laughs> so let me, uh, I want to steal a page from from Greg's book. Uh, a moment ago, he mentioned how his uncle took him to the zoo, and the only question he had repeatedly all day was why. So, Sherika, why was that? Why is that? Of all the all the accolades, we shared a few as we were introducing you, and, and there's plenty of others. Why is that award so important to you? Well, it's it's multifaceted. Um, one, it's important to me because um, I'm very passionate about giving back to the community. And so um, when my the young lady walked through the door of my company and I noticed her and I began to mentor her and, and pour back into her, um, it was sort of a, a thank you. Um, her nomination of me for the award was a thank you. And it was something to me to say, okay, you're on the right track. You're, give, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and what you're called to do. Um, and then secondly, the other part of it was that um, once she nominated me and my packet was accepted by um, our, the congressional fellows at the time and, and noticed, it was, it was a nod um, at what I had contributed technically. And so if I ever wonder, am I doing something that's impactful? Is my technical work, does it mean anything? It was a moment in time where I could say, yes, it means something. <laughs> so that's why that one was the most important. I love it. And, and well, more than your technical that. work, too. I mean, cl clearly, it's really, really rare. I'm not sure that everyone understands that, that someone who you have mentored nominates you for something. It's usually someone who's sees you do your work, not mm -hmm. experiences the power of your leadership that that nominates you for those kind of accolades. So that's really, yeah. really impressive. I get that facet of it completely, right? And 
And it does show something outside of your technical acumen, which is clearly substantial, right? Your ability to lead the humanistic leadership. Let's just (laughs) steal that, Sherika. Um, You know, you didn't know who this person was. You didn't know whether they were a nobody or a somebody or anybody. And Mm. and you just saw something and and guided them. And, you know, I think that speaks a lot to what you were talking about before, character and principles. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get why that one is so meaningful to you. But it, it, it is a representation of who you are, not what you did. Right, right. And it was that. also something that my family could could connect to because they're not scientists and they don't always know. OK, I just know she's doing something in the lab, you know, but this one, they could watch the movie um, because we hadn't seen the movie um, when they called me about the award. Yeah. But we could all sit down and watch it together. Um, and they could connect and say, oh, we get it now, you know, because when they're on pins and needles waiting on that shuttle to come back, you know, that was me when the next shuttle went up. I was on pins and needles like, OK, OK, let's, you know, this has to work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. So, folks, if you have not, if you're one of the three people that have not seen the movie Hidden Figures, do yourself a big favor and make sure to set some time aside to either read the book or watch the movie this weekend. One of the NASA engineers. Uh, computers, as 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 people were known back then, right? Folks mm-hmm. that that crunched some numbers. Mary Jackson, uh, talk about an incredible journey. You know, when John Glenn, he di- he didn't trust some of what the what the uh, uh, machine computers were telling him. He wanted mm-hmm. Mary Jackson to get these figures right, and if Mary said it, he trusted it. And that's just one of the many anecdotes. But what a powerful! Uh, thank you for sharing that yeah. uh, hidden figures experience with this uh Sherika. And now I want to I want to uh transition a bit. So um cuz you're talking about mentees and mentorship, mm-hmm. right? And and I I know from our previous conversations just how important that is for you and and how passionate you are about it. And yes, Jenny, it does uh see why the good ones, the good professional associations are important, the good ones out there. Great point. But you know, if if you're speaking to, you know, based on you know, the leadership message you have today and the passion and your point of view that you have today. Mm-hmm. I want to pose two questions to you. Mm-hmm. The first one is if if you're in that big room, you're, you were painting a picture earlier as you were sharing that really important pivotal project with NASA and you were talking, you're describing this huge, massive room of folks. Let's, let's mentally go into that room. And in this, in this, in this question, mm-hmm. uh, folks sitting in those seats are organizational leaders across industry and across the, the globe. So what would you like to tell those people right now? Um, So uh, from my seat, I would like to remind them that they hold the keys to employee decisions. So what I mean by that is they hold the cards when it comes to talent acquisition, to promotions, um, to building the pipeline um, of future employees. They hold all these cards. And so 50 to 70 percent of an employee's experience comes from their interaction with their leader. That's what the data says, 50 to 70 percent. So you as leaders in that coliseum, if you know that 50 to 70 percent of that employee's interaction um, experience comes from their interaction with you, then what are you going to do with that employee once you have them in your company? Think about that. And do the work to engage and make that person feel like um, 
they are delivering on something that has purpose. So a lot of times we write these job descriptions that um, are just, just that. They make no sense. Bullet points. (laughs) But what people really want is they want to know that I am having an impact and there is purpose behind the work that I'm doing. Just like you said with the janitor, I'm putting a person on the moon, mm-hmm. right? So imagine if that person was applying for that janitorial job and the job description said that, as opposed to, I need you to sweep the floor and clean the sinks and those things. Instead, right. I need you to help me put a per- person on the moon. So as we as organizational leaders take a look at the big picture and not just see what we want a person to do from a task-oriented perspective, but from a vision-oriented perspective. Um, we would have much better, much better employees that deliver a lot more, and they'd be happier. Wow. All right. So I got to tell you, Greg, I've heard that anecdote, and we've talked about that anecdote, and, and we've created content around that anecdote for years. And that's the first time I've heard it kind of in that context of, putting that into the job description, the sure. mission, the greater, that is what, a, a, that's worth the price of mission right there, Sherika. Greg, your thoughts? Well, it's absolute, It's an absolute necessity these days. Gen Z and Gen Y both mm-hmm. absolutely demand it. They want to yeah. know what they're working for. And the truth is, the only difference is the demanding it. Because if you look at some of the statistics that Sher- Sherika is referring to, people, they want, they want to know that they are respected. They mm-hmm. want recognition. They want relevance in their role, right? And and they want to have that higher purpose. They that relevance means: Am I doing something meaningful? Am I meeting mm-hmm. the higher purpose? Right. So, mm-hmm. if you just keep those three R's in mind, then mm-hmm. you can do right by your people. And yes, of course, give them something to to look toward because it's a it's a tough environment. I can't believe we're saying that just a year later, right? <laughs> After 22% or whatever, uh, unemployment, right? So, um, but, but you know, you, you're competing for the best of the best. And if you want the best, you have to give them something to aim for, a North Star. Absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. Love that. And I mean, right. when, you, when you talk to people now um, that leave jobs, what do they say? Oh, I, I, my mom died and they didn't even care. Or, you know, something like that. Most of the time you get complaints, it's about the the lack of compassion from the leadership, the lack of uh, engagement and connection. So that's what we have to deal with. Remember that, um, that those two <laughs> strategies I said, right? Either yeah. fight yeah. or flee. Uh-huh. In that mm-hmm. case, if they don't care about your mother, flee. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Go find a job somewhere else. That There is something wrong with the culture of that company. Right. Amen. Amen. All right. So, folks, we may go over just a couple minutes here, but I don't want to share because it's, it's such a great interview. If we have to go three hours, we'll go three hours. Um, <laughs> I'm here. You guys got me for the day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, Aaron says it's amazing. Love what you shared. Got a lot of the comments along those lines. I agree with Aaron. Aaron, hope this finds you well. Aaron Smetak. Tom agrees with Greg, both of y'all. Jobs these days have got to be purpose driven. They've got to be purpose driven. So, um, all right. So, Sherika, both of y'all essentially were, were speaking kind of to and, and certainly referencing, you know, the, the earlier generations, right? Folks that may be finishing up their degrees these days or maybe they're pre-college or maybe they're, they just broke into industry. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've been in it for, you know, months, a couple months or a couple years. Mm-hmm. If you had those in that coliseum, I'm going to steal that term from you, <laughs> coliseum moment. 
if you had a, their captive attention for mm-hmm. the next minute or two, what would you share with those folks? Um, I think I've said it uh, a bunch of times before, um, if not here, definitely in certain um, other arenas. When I'm talking to, to new leaders or, or aspiring leaders, I cannot stress enough for them to do the work. Do you, you think you want to be a leader, but first recognize that leadership is not a power play. Uh, good leaders recognize leadership as a service and a privilege, not a right. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you get that and once you do the work, then come to the realization or figure out if you're you're willing to show up and be a great leader. And what I mean by that is that willing to show up and be objective Willing to show up and have those courageous conversations and tough conversations, especially in the 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 climate um, that we're living in today, um, and willing to show up and serve. And once you come to that realization that hey, yeah, this is for me and this is what I want to do. I want to help somebody else. I'm not seeking leadership so somebody can help me. Um, then you might be ready to step out into the leadership role, um, but not before then. Not before then. Make sure you get everything you need to on the groundwork, because the last thing that I want to happen to anybody, especially an inspiring leader, is for them to get out on that platform and then be exposed for something that they never meant for the world to know. All right. Uh, so the theme today, do the work. Sherika, how can I earn my PhD and, and obtain recognition, <laughs> leadership roles? Do the work. Hey, how can I advance in the supply chain and, and get big salaries and do big things? Mm-hmm. Do the work. Uh, that is such a, um, a simple but powerful piece of advice uh, to folks, regardless where you are in your journey. So mm-hmm. never mail it in. Do the work. Um, all right. So before we make sure folks know how to connect with Sherika, every, everyone's going to be wanting if they haven't already. <laughs> wanting a piece of your time, uh, Sherika. It, it's, uh, you know, I felt enlightened and educated, energized after the last time I spent an hour with you. And I feel the same way right this moment. Uh, Great. So, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not alone. Greg, what's your take on what she just shared or, or the do the work mantra? Yeah, well, you know, there's a couple aspects of it. John Locke, a political philosopher, said, the more powerful you are, the less powerful, the less power you have because you you become, by default, this servant, this keeper, this protector of Mm -hmm. the masses over which you arguably rule. He was talking about political rulers at the time, right? You have to keep care of those people. And I think that servant leadership mantra is you have to acknowledge that you you are as much um, you are as much serf as you are leader, right? Mm-hmm. You are as much mm-hmm. serf as you are whatever they call those nobles, right? So mm-hmm. um, you you have to you have to recognize that. And I think you know the other thing is this sort of mythical concept that leadership instantly allows you to change everything. Mostly right. what it mostly what it forces you to change is yourself. Yourself. Because the Peter <laughs> principle, it, in and of itself, is you are you are you are ris- you you rise to the level of your incompetence, right? You get mm-hmm. to the next level. You have no idea what to do at the next level, mm-hmm. and so you have to recognize that you do have to do the work because you're the one who's going to need the work first when when you are elevated to a new level uh, of authority. So right, right, and the reward, the reward, there, there are rewards in it. So I, you know, we don't want to paint a picture that 
oh, you get to a leadership role and everything's going to be humdrum. And, you know, there are rewards in it. And, and find the, I find the reward in that employee that I managed 10 years ago calling me and saying, hey, you know, I pulled a presentation that you gave on leadership 10 years ago. And man, I, you know, hit it out of the park with the board, you know, or, you know, thank you for putting in a word for me to get that job. Now I got the job and I'm getting promoted. You know, something like that. That's where the reward is. Yeah. The work is the work. The reward is the people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So much goodness here. Uh, I'm going to share a couple of comments and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Sherika. Todd, the Rainmaker, says a great one. One's purpose is not driven by their job. If your job is a tool for accomplishing your purpose, then all the better. Excellent point there, mm -hmm. Todd. Enrique, host of... Logistics with Purpose, host of Supply Chain Now in Espanol, and nominee for Best Hair in Supply Chain, along with Greg White and many others. Uh, he's, he says, he's leading. <laughs> he is leading. Uh, the few followers convert the lone nut into a leader. So leadership is too glorified. If you believe in something, be brave to lead someone else. Excellent point. Aaron says she's only caught last five minutes, inspired, ready to run through walls. I agree with you. Thank and, you, Aaron. <laughs> and Peter was laughing at the Peter Principle. I, I that, I there's, there's a variety of Peter Principles, but uh, I guess every principle for him is the Peter Principle. So, that's right. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right. So one one last question. Uh, are you not to put you on the spot? But I've already gotten a couple of texts. Are you accepting new mentees? I am. I am. I actually. Uh, converted over a crew of my mentees to mentors, um, which was very, it was a lot of fun. So, you know, I mentored a, a group of kids from um, high school to college, and now they're in medical school. So I just converted them over to mentors for some of my new kids that just came in through high school. So I have um, open spots, if that, that makes any sense, because mm -hmm. um, uh, they're covering some of my other groups. So yes, I am. And I can be found on LinkedIn if you want to connect there um, and we'll, we'll move forward from there. And I'll just let everybody know uh, my style of mentorship is that you lead it pretty much. So you talk as much as you want to talk to me. Um, you, I, you have complete access to me. So it's not that we have to schedule a meeting and talk, plan to talk every month. It's based on what you want and what your needs are. I like that. And I believe her. Craig. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to go sign up now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's been as advertised. Uh, Sherika, you're a blessing. I love how you, you know, kind of that practical, no nonsense type of interview and discussion. You've know, been there, done that. It, it's not theoretical. It's, it's, um, it's real and it's inspiring. And uh, no wonder why everyone else and all the other organizations out there have been recognizing it. So uh, you may need to build a new uh, addition to your um, trophy case. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, a lot more to come. Oh, my <laughs> husband's done that. He's always on it. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> makes, man. That's <laughs> good. Well, thanks so much for carving some time out and spending some more uh, time with us here today. We've gotten a ton of comments as expected. I, I know you're used to it, but uh, Sherika Sanders, PhD, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll have to reconnect with you again real soon. Thank you so much. It's been great hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Wow, that swoosh waits for no one. Holy cow. Thanks, Sherika. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but that's the type of, you know, if we're not careful with the time, because we want to respect her time for sure, you know, I'd love to just open up and have some Q&A for the next hour or two and, and just, you know, enjoy that company. And well, as Peter said, I was going to get in line and also get a drink and just let's just start gabbing. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, let's see. Simon says, thank you. Great interview and insight. Boom. With an exclamation mark. How about that? Let's see here. Mervin says, thanks for sharing your experiences, Shirika. It looks like uh, some folks were commenting. Azalea. That's right. Azalea Davis. She got uh, her degree in biology. Didn't it? Um what was her degree in? One of the very uh, complicated degree programs, biomedical science, I think, is what she got her undergrad in as she's looking to break into industry. We might have to, have to get them connected. But, well, I think that uh, I think that's kind of the that's the common thread is they were acknowledging the the passion of Azalea and kind of common philosophies, right? If you yes, right, yes. Um, well, a lot of good stuff there. Wonderful, wonderful hour spent with Sherika. All right, so Greg. Out of all the goodness that Sherika just dropped on us and, and all the wonderful folks in the comments, our team, the producers behind the scenes, if you had to pick one, what's your, what was your favorite part of that conversation? Uh, Simon says humanistic leadership. And I think whether that term has existed before or not, I think Sherika is a fantastic, she's a fantastic representation of that. Right, you can tell that it's all about the people. It is all about the people, and and you know I have to acknowledge that as a scientist, that probably has to be fairly difficult. Although she's clearly an exceptional scientist, obviously exceptionally personable. A lot of what she's experienced, I think, in terms of um, in terms of leadership challenges or you know woes from less than shall we say empathic leaders is largely because of the personality type of scientists or engineers and others frequently. Right. I mean, it's not always the case that those, those of us with an engineering mindset are that personable. So (laughs) she is so aware and obviously so well-read and continues to learn. So, uh, you know, she is doing the work that's, uh, that's it. She is Man. doing the work that she is encouraging people to do. Amen. So. Well, hey, Alay ha- puts it great here. She says, if supply chain had more leaders like Sherika, the world would be a better place for everyone. I think is what she meant to, to, to wrap on. Faster. Yeah, better place faster. Sorry. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Alay, wholeheartedly. Um, Greg, you stole my do the work. That was one of my favorite things. Dang it. I'm sorry. Let me take that <laughs> it's one back. Of things, <laughs> it's one of those things that you can just stick between your ears and remind yourself every time you have that moment, do the work. Do the work. you got to believe that the work is going to pay off regardless of what that work means for you. Um, you know, just that, that, again, that NASA story is such a powerful testimony that that moment that hopefully we all have that what you do is, number one, valuable but number two plays a critical role in the greater good. You know, there, there's such a great, that's a gratifying moment if you ever had that. And for it to be that impactful was well, certainly a big. How about part. the strain she communicated when the next one took off? She took personal responsibility for that craft, keeping those people safe, right? That's, yes. That's huge. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing that makes, 
that, that really gives you the right mm. to demand a higher purpose. You have to care that much. Mm. Right. I love that. Uh, all right. So finally, Simon says he just made up humanistic leadership on the spot based on Sherika's leadership vision. Somebody else must have said it first. Surely, surely someone else. <laughs> Maybe they did, Simon. And yeah. you know what's coming next. Yes, yes. Peter says the meaningful for me is important. Making it meaningful. I'm with you. Okay. Well, we could all go on and go on for sure. We've got plenty of t-shirt isms, lots of notes. Uh, this hour and some change was as impactful and enjoyable as we all knew it would be. So thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for contributing. Yeah. You know, your take on what you were hearing and, and your your um you know gratitude for for Sherika sharing. Uh, big thanks to Sherika Sanders, PhD, for for joining us as busy as she is these days. Big thanks to our team uh, that made it makes it happen behind the scenes. Amanda and Clay and, and Allie, I believe, here today. Greg, a pleasure to do these conversations. Likewise, to share these conversations with folks wherever they are. Yeah, and this is this is part of our why. This is part of our work, and we got to do it each and every day. So, on that note, wherever you are, have a wonderful week. Uh, I tell you. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Check out Hidden Figures. That will make that will pull everything together in a very beautiful movie or book. And uh, you know, do good, give forward, be the change, be just like Sherika Sanders, PhD. Amen. And the world would be a better place. On that note, we'll see you next time here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.